Hey, let me pray for just a minute, can we? Lord God, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for saving Casey. Thank you for saving um, other people in this room who have a relationship with you. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would make much of you today and very little of ourselves. Uh, we love you and we trust you. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, hey again, how y'all been? Good. Hey, I'm Arthur. I'm one of the pastors here. And just want to mention to you one more time, if you were here uh, last week but didn't fill out a survey or you were not here last week and didn't fill out a survey, if you wouldn't mind filling out one of the surveys before you leave today that may be in a seat near you, that would be great. Hand it to the guys by the door or the ladies by the door on your way out today. That would be uh, tremendous. And if some of you are sitting there going, when's the offering? When are they going to do the offering? Because offering's part of worship. It's a big deal. But we're going to do that at the end today. And ordinarily, uh, I would be teaching uh, 10 or 15 minutes from now, but we're going to go ahead and teach uh, now, right away. And we'll get into it just in a minute. Because we're starting a new series today called uh, Worship Changes Everything. So if you're watching online, I want to welcome you uh, to watching with us. And I hope that you're encouraged as you're watching online and at our LaGrange campus. I want to welcome you as well. And Worship really does change everything. And so, uh, so what we're going to do for this four-week series is we'll teach more toward the beginning of the service and allow us more time to respond back to God uh, at the end of the service because that's part of worship is our response to God. And uh, this series, I think, is going to be something that's going to help us and encourage us and really going to let some of us take some steps forward in our relationship with the Lord in uh, maybe ways we weren't expecting. And, you know, worship is something that, uh, that we do, but, you know, everybody worships, not just people who come to church. Everybody worships uh, one way or another. And some people think that, that God wants, uh, wants worship, but he's looking for worship, and that's not what the Bible says. Uh, the Bible says that God is going to be worshiped one way or another. He's, that's going to happen. Uh, it says in John chapter 4 that God is seeking worshipers. He is actively looking for people who will worship him, who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so uh, we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. Today we're going to talk, kind of starting the series, we're going to talk about what is worship because some of you are sitting there probably thinking, hey, are you going to talk about, is it okay about putting hands up or clapping or running around or doing somersaults and cartwheels and all that kind of stuff? Are we going, are, we, are you going to talk about that? Uh, yeah, we will. But the how of worship comes a little further down the line. So we're going to sort of start with uh, what is worship and, uh, and who do we worship. We're going to talk about that today. So we'll sort of make some progress on that uh, as we move forward. And, uh, you know, and some people love worship. Some people worship worship. That's a whole other talk for another day. But what happens when, uh, when we begin to worship is that God changes us. And when you step into a, a posture of worship with him, what happens is you always walk away different every single time. And if you learn and are willing to be a true worshiper, someone who worships in spirit and truth, uh, you'll find that God changes everything and everything in your life finds its proper perspective and everything in your life tends to go a lot better because that's how we were made. God created us to be worshipers. Uh, God was not lonely. He was not going, if I just had some friends, that's not why he made, that's not why he made man. Listen, he made us 
for to be worshipers. So, and here's the thing about, about worship is that uh, sometimes worship is uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes we love and go, oh, it's so good. But sometimes worship is really uncomfortable. Sometimes it's, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's intense. And sometimes it's not always uh, fun. Sometimes it, there's other things that happen in worship. You know, I was, uh, I was speaking at this event um, in, uh, in Alabama and um, it was right beside uh, this giant bingo place. Right, and so we were speaking there for two or three nights in a row, and, and we were just having some just really great, tremendous times of worship. And, you know, sometimes when I'm in a setting like that, the, you know, I, I can sing badly. So I, I just don't do that. But sometimes I'm on, I'm on the stage, and I'm helping lead worship uh, with the band and, you know, kind of go back and forth. And so we were doing some of that, and worship was really intense. A lot of people were responding to the Lord. And... So, like I said, second or third night we'd been there, and this lady, she comes in, and she walks into the back of the room, and she's just kind of walking around the back of the room and kind of looking at us and wondering, you know, what are they doing, all that. And the Spirit of the Lord was just really intense there. Uh, and uh, it was just, you know, one of those nights that, you know, that you always will remember. And so, uh, and, and if you're a believer, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a Christ follower, and so if, if you're not a Christ follower, just kind of hang out with me for just a minute. Uh, but, but anyways, she's, she's walking around and she's looking and she's watching people worship and she's wondering what's going on. And, you know, and, and at some point she just goes, bingo, bingo. Because she had no idea what was going on. She, just, she knew, and at first it completely weirded me out, right? But, but then talking to her later, I realized that, you know, that, that she had walked into the presence of the Lord, that she was far from God, and, and she knows there's something going on. And the most exciting thing that had ever happened to her in her life was when she wins bingo. But this was the best bingo game she'd ever been to. And she didn't know what to say. You know, she hadn't grown up in church, so she's not saying, well, hallelujah, bless you, sister. She's not saying anything like that. You know, she just knows when she celebrates, the best thing that's ever happened is when she won the jackpot at bingo. And this is better than that. Right, and so sometimes that's you know that that happens. I, I was I was at an event in Mississippi. It was a statewide event. There were hundreds of students that were there, and so we're leading worship. Same kind of thing. Uh, I'm up there with the the guys that are in the band, and the guy who's leading worship through song, he, he takes his guitar off. He lays down on the stage because it was just so intense, and he says, "I just need to." lay down before the Lord, not just kneel before the Lord. He wanted to get face down before the Lord. And I thought, well, this is, this is great. And so he lays down and I mean, and so, and I'm not talking about for like 10 seconds. I'm talking about, it's been two or three minutes, four minutes, you know? And I'm like, there's hundreds of students out there and it's just this godly silence. And, but I'm sitting there going, I kind of need to figure out what's going on here just a little bit. So I kind of crawl over there to where he is. I said, you okay? Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, I I knew what he's doing, but I was kind of checking, right? There's not a good way to say that. It's not awkward. And he says, "Uh, I'm afraid if I open my eyes, I'll see God and I'll die. I said, my eyes are open. I'm okay. I said, 
at some point you have to get up. <laughs> so, but, it, but it was, it was just, it was just kind of, uh, sometimes it's not a whoo, sometimes it's just you realize who you are and how, and, and how much you want to worship the Lord. Worship is the central value of God. At the beginning of the Bible, the middle of the Bible, the end of the Bible, all the way through the Bible, you see that worship is the central value of God. God is looking for worshipers. That's a huge deal to him. That's who he is looking for. And I really believe that the church will become the church that God designed and hoped for us to be when we begin to implement worship in the way that God wants us to, to be people who worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, You know, worship in simplest terms is what you and I value most, what you and I value most. That's where we worship when we find whatever it is that we value the most. The the old English word for worship is worth-ship. And so uh, we took the TH out of it. But basically what worship is, is you're declaring what is of great worth, what is of great value, what is of great honor in your life. And, and, and it's so important to us that, that we will worship someone or something. That's how God wired us. Every single one of us, we have this hole inside of our souls that if we do not worship something, we feel incomplete. And so we will gravitate and move towards something that is going to cause us to worship. If you want to look at that later on, look at Isaiah 44, Isaiah 47, look in there, and, and you can find some more about that if, if you want to. Um, but the, 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 the how of worship, uh, what do we do, you know, how do we do that? That comes way down the line, but let's talk a little bit about what is worship. So uh, first definition I have for you this morning, and this is not mine, this is from Bruce Leafblad, uh, who's a seminary professor, who's taught hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of, uh, of uh, men and women about worship. And his definition is simply this, worship is setting our heart's affection and our mind's attention on God. And I love that definition. It's very simple. It's easy to follow through uh, and it's easy to get because here's what happens. When you begin thinking about what God has done, when you set your mind's attention on God, it begins to stir the affection of your heart and you turn around and respond back to God. Uh, that's what worship is. It's our response to God. And so setting our mind's attention, our heart's affection on God, I think that's a great, very simple definition for worship. The definition we're going to use for worship for the next few weeks as we're in this series is that worship is our response to God for who he is and what he has done demonstrated by our actions and our words. Uh, Because uh, it's not just come sit and listen, come sit and listen, come sit and listen. It's what is our response and we're going to find out today, it's not just about what we do here, but it's with all of our life. It's not just here's a moment, there's a moment, but it's something that we do all the time. We have the opportunity to declare how great is God's worth in our lives. That's what we're going to be talking about. So let's talk about this for just a minute. First thing, worship is what we do. Everybody worships. Every single person on the planet Worship. It's not just for religious people. It's not just for people who, uh, who go to some kind of uh, organized religious event. Every single person on the planet worships. That's the way we're wired. Uh, everybody does. We, we worship that which is of highest value to us. So I've got a video clip I want to show you. And, and as I show you this, this real quick video clip, as you look at it, I want you to pay attention to the postures of worship that you're going to see. Because you're going to see people with, um, with all kinds of acts of worship. 
as you watch this video. So let's roll that, that clip real quick and then we'll talk about it. Anybody at that show, by the way? <laughs> no, but did you see? Did you see the postures of worship there? Did, did you see people hands up in the air, looks of adoration on their faces? People who would give anything to touch him. Look, just walk up here and just slap my hand. They would give any amount of money to be on stage with him. They would compromise all kinds of things to be able to be in that guy's presence. It's worship. Do you see the thousands of lights? Do you see it? I guarantee you there was people in that crowd that night at some point when he sang something, they had tears rolling down their face. Horrible God. Great worship, though. Horrible God. Great worship. Most of the time in our churches, what we struggle with is the inverse of that. We have a great God, but we have horrible worship, right? Because we say, oh, it's something we're supposed to do. (sighs) Well, I'll just put up with it. Tell you what, I'm going to go get me something to drink. I'll be right back. We we, we want to think about doing something else or being somewhere else or or, or being involved somewhere else, Right? And, and even for those of us who are believers, here's, here's where we struggle, right? Is, is we go, hey, I'm here, baby. I'm all in. It's church. I'm here. And so for 67 minutes, man, I am dialed in with God. I mean, that's my time with him, right? Because I love being in his presence, right? I made time to get here. I got up. I got dressed. I sort of worked on my hair. Uh, and I, I, here I am. But how, how many of those 67 minutes that we're sitting in this room, how many of those 67 minutes are we really completely engaged with the Lord? You know, are you thinking about, well, here's the things I need to pick up at the grocery store this afternoon. Uh, uh, my kid's got a big project coming up this week, so I need to help him with that. Uh, if I could get two more days off work this week, that would help out a lot. And there's all these other things that we're thinking about and we're not completely engaged, right? Because see, see every, everything we do here is not for us. See, it, 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 sometimes it, it, it kind of feels like you're coming to a show because there's a band here and there's this guy up here talking and, you know, and then we kind of sit there and then roll out and we go, hey, good job, way to go. But no, it's, everything is done for an audience of one. Everything we're done, every, every, you know, people ask me, they say, Arthur, what do you do for a living? And for people to understand what I'm talking about, I say, I'm a worship leader. And they go, do you sing? I don't know. I say, I, I want to teach in a way that leads people to worship. That's, that's what I do. Right? And so 
everything we do here is not for us. Every single thing is done for God. Every single thing is an act of worship. You know, the fact that the, the chairs are put in place and that the air conditioning is on is, and, the, the, uh, and that there's uh, coffee that smells heavenly and all these other great things that are here. Everything that's done is an act of worship to God. And it's not saying, hey, can we do, what can we do for you? It's, hey, how can we do things for God? Not how can we do things for Arthur? How can we do things for God? How can we worship him? Because everybody worships, right? And in this room, do you realize there are hundreds of idols represented in this room? Me too. Look, I have idols that say, Arthur, come over here. Arthur, worship me. And I, have to, and I have to say no. And sometimes I don't do a good job saying no. But you know, we got you know, position and prestige and power and authority and, and, and money and recognition and stuff calling to us. Come serve me. Come worship me. I mean, that's what happens, Right? We're, it's, it's, we're, we're all worshipers. The question is, why do we worship? If you've got a Bible, I'm in Acts chapter 17. And we're going to start in verse 22. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along with new version or uh, it's, the scripture will be on the screens as well. It says, so Paul, standing in the midst of Areopagus, said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way that you are very religious. So he's in Athens. Areopagus is right beside uh, Mars Hill, which today is just basically a big bald rock with nothing on it. Uh, but when Paul was there, uh, most likely there were statues of the 12 Greek gods. Now they had more than 12 gods, but the Greeks thought, if you remember mythology from when you were in elementary school, most likely the Greeks uh, had 12 major gods. And so these 12 major gods were there. Some people think this word Areopagus could be translated or meant battleground at the time. Uh, so these gods were sort of battling each other who should be worshiped the most. That was sort of the idea. And so what had happened is Paul had showed up in Athens and, he, and the philosophers, the Stoics specifically, thought that he was a really smart guy. And they went, look, you understand things that we don't understand. You know things that we don't know. How about we talk a little bit? Uh, because, you know, Paul had a, had a great mind and some other philosophers wanted to hear his understanding of God and some other things. And so they invite him to, uh, to talk with them a little bit. So he started talking earlier in Acts chapter 17, and then we sort of jump into the middle of what he's saying right here. And he says, look, you guys are very, are very religious. I've walked around. I've heard you talking. I've been in the city for a few days. I see, this, I see these 12 gods that you have up here. So evidently, you're very religious people. And he says, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, he says, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. And so he says, look, here's what's going on. You, you've got these 12 gods. And, and the, the Greeks were so concerned about the fact that they might leave out a God that they didn't know about. They said, just in case, we got these 12, but just in case there's another one somewhere that we haven't done anything with, here's an inscription probably on a plaque or carved into a piece of stone that says to the unknown God. And just in case we miss something because we don't want to be in trouble because we missed out on something. And he says, he says, what therefore you worship is unknown. He says, this I proclaim to you. He says, he says, unknown God. He says, let me explain this, who's unknown God is to you. And so Paul starts sharing with them and talking with them. And he says, the God who made the world and everything in it, including me and you, by the way. He says, being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man. 
nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives life, uh, gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So, a couple of things. See, the first thing is, is God doesn't need anything from us. But he wants a relationship with us. Right? But it says that God does not live in temples. Now, see, we all know that, don't we? You know, if you're brand new to church or you've been coming to church for 35 years, however it works out, you know that, right? You know, God doesn't live here. You know, God is omnipresent. But don't we sort of act like that sometimes? You know, that we come to church and God goes, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. I so thank you for being here today. Thank you. 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 Right? And he sits there and goes, yay. Thank you for being here. Thank you for singing. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving. Just, I just want to say thank you. And then, you know, we all kind of get up and he leaves and says, have a great week. Have a great week. Have a great week. Have a great week. You know, standing by the door. And then, you know, and then we leave. And then God goes, what am I going to do all week? Huh. Tell you what, I'm going to give him a get on this uh, keyboard a little bit. We'll see how my, you know, he's been working on learning bass guitar, so he's getting better. He's doing that, banging on the drums a little bit. That's what he's doing. He's like, hey, I'm just, just hanging out here all week, just waiting, because this is where I live, and this is what's going on. And, and none of us think that, and none of us really believe that, but it's all right, we sort of act that way, don't we? Because we, we, we leave here, and we give no thought of God, because worship is not just a moment. Worship is not just something that we sing. It's not when we listen to someone teach. It's not when we're encouraged. It's not when we're serving. Worship is life. We, we ought to be living our life in such a posture that we are worshiping God all the time, that we look at him and say, look, you are the most important. You are the highest value. We, I want to honor you. I want to serve you in everything that I say and that I do because that's what Paul is saying. He says, look, he doesn't just live in a temple. It's not just you got him here and you compartmentalize him here and leave him here and then say, okay, I'm gonna go over here and live the rest of my life. Okay, come back over here. I'm gonna spend a little time with you. It's not like that at all. And, and, and he goes on, he says, uh, he says, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And he goes on and says, look, this God is so much more than you think. Listen, he's determining how, where you live and how you live. Uh, and, and he says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. He says, and this God is revealing himself to you, calling himself calling you to himself and he sees you and wants you to take steps toward him. And he says, and, and, and you hear all this and think that that kind of God is so big and so huge and so powerful. There is no way that I could ever be in a relationship with him. And then Paul says, but, 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 but. He is actually not far from each one of us. And so I would tell you, if you showed up today, and you're like, ah, worship, why are we talking about worship? And you're like, because you're, you, you're discouraged with God or mad at God or frustrated with him or disappointed in him. Look, this is a great day for you to be here. Because you're going to see a little bit more of who God is today. And you're going to realize that he is not far from you that he wants you 
and wants to help you and walk with you and encourage you. He has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. He has not betrayed you. But in, in fact, he's looking for you. He says he's actually not far from each one of us. And he goes on and quotes from uh, some of the Greek poetry of the day. He says, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And he said, look, you can become a child of God. You can become a child of this unknown God. You can live in a relationship with him, not be dictated to by these false gods. Instead, you can be in a thriving relationship with this God. And so everybody worships. And so if you want to find out what you worship, we, find, we look at it and we find out that worship is mostly defined by our deeds. So what's most important to you? What, what would you sacrifice so that you could have? Uh, what, what's, what's the highest value to you? What, what is it that you want to worship in your life? What, what is it that you declare has great worth and value in your life? Uh, what, what, what do you want to live for? What do you want to, to, to give your heart to? What, what do you worship? So uh, just a real quick diagnostic tool that you can use to figure out what it is that you're worshiping. Uh, so you walk through this and you figure out, okay, this is what I'm worshiping. This is who I'm worshiping. Number one, where's your time going? Where do you spend your time? What do you do with your time? Who gets your time? Time is the one asset you have that cannot be replaced. Once you spend your time, you can't get any more. You can't buy any more. You can't go back and take it back to the store and say, can I get some more time? It doesn't work. Once you spend it, it's gone. So the first thing you do, who are you spending your time with? What are you doing with your time? Your time, where you're spending it, who you're spending it with will tell you who it is you worship. Number two, your activities. You look at what, at what you're doing, your, your, your activity. What are, what are the things that you're, you're, things you're spending your energy on, right? This morning, I was walking around uh, before our first service and walked over to the preschool area, and uh, I sat down in one of those glider rockers over there. They've got so much padding on them, like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man would love it, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, man. And I, I, I rocked about seven or eight times. And I said, you know what? If I don't get up, I'm going to fall asleep. And it was so comfortable. Um, and so everybody's got a limited amount of energy. So what are you doing with your energy? What are your activities? What, what are the things that will show you where you're worshiping, who you're worshiping? Number three, devotion. Who are you devoted to? Right? Who, who are you devoted to? Who, who are you committed to? What are you committed to? Right? Look, ton of people, ton of people watching football yesterday. You know, Georgia did good. Georgia Tech, a miracle. Friday night, they scored 4,000 points. Right? All kinds of things going on, right? And, 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 and see, and, and we're devoted to them, whether they win or lose, some of us. But what, what are you devoted to? What, what is it that you're locked in with, that you're committed to, that he says, that's my people. That's my person. That's my whatever. Who, who, who are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? Uh, number four, loyalty. Who, who do you show your loyalty to? Look, there are people in your life that you have said, I'm done with you. There are organizations in your life that you said, I'm done with you. 
happens to all of us. We're loyal to someone or something for a season, and then we become disloyal. We walk away from that. Okay? Who are you loyal to? My father will be 85 years old in December. He served in the Korean War. He is as much a uh, Team USA guy as you will ever meet in your life. He tells me stories about how the country has changed since he was a little boy. And it breaks his heart the way that things have changed over the years. But he is still loyal to the United States no matter what. Who are you loyal to no matter what? Who, who do you say, I'm going to be with this person. I'm going to be with this organization. Who are you most loyal to? Number five, honor. Who, who do you show honor to? What, what do you show honor to? You know, I, I love the, the Greek definition of, of the, the word picture uh, for honor uh, because often when Greeks were trying to communicate a concept uh, or a word, they would use a word picture to describe it. And the, uh, the word picture they would use to define honor was that something that, was, that was, had honor had both weight and significance. And so they would use the word picture of steam to communicate dishonor because anybody can make steam. It's not valuable. You get some water, you heat it up, you make steam. Uh, it's, it's not it doesn't cost anything to do that, and it doesn't have any weight to it, any significant to it, significance to it, because uh, it's just steam. It just floats all over the place. And they would say, like, gold, on the other hand, communicates honor, because it is both weighty and significant, weighty and valuable. So what is it that you honor in your life? And, and number six, stuff. What do, you, what do you do with your stuff? What, what do you do with it? What do you do with your house? What, 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 what do you do with it? Who's it for? How, how important is it to you? Right? What, 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 do you, what do you do with that stuff? So here's the deal. You, you walk down those six things, time, activities, devotion, loyalty, honor, stuff. You say, where, where do I spend my time? What do I expend my energy on in my activities? Who am I devoted to? Where does my loyalty lie? Uh, who am I showing honor to? Uh, what, what am I doing with my stuff, my money, my house, these things? And, and you walk down that path, and, and you get to the end of the path, you will find who your God is. You will find out who you worship by going, looking at your time, your activities, your devotion, your loyalty, your honor, and your stuff. And that's what we do, right? I mean, you, you, I mean, it's a couple of examples. You know, look at your car. I mean, you're spending time, you, can, you know, you got a nice car, you like it, you make sure it's clean. Uh, you might park it in such a place that people don't ding up your doors in the parking lot. And, you know, you make sure it's washed and cleaned up every Saturday and take care of it get the oil changed every 3,000 miles, all that kind of stuff, and you take good care of it, or, or your house. You're, you're like, man, I'm, I'm going to win Yard of the Week this month. Uh, I mean, look, look how good this is. This is incredible. There's no weeds in my yard. Uh, or, um, you know, there's this girl that you just started dating, and you're going, dang, she is hot. 
you will do anything for her. You will compromise. You will change. You will say, you will start listening to country music and you swore you never would. Right? Because she's a huge Lady Annabellum fan. Look, you follow the trail, you find out who you're worshiping. And, you know, and what you got to do is you got to take a minute, you got to look in the mirror. Now, nobody likes looking in the mirror. Everybody, we like looking in the mirror for 15 seconds, then move on and go, I'm okay. Because see, if you stay at the mirror for three or four minutes, then you begin to see imperfections and things that you hadn't noticed before and all that kind of thing. But if you'll walk down that path, time, activities, devotion, loyalty, honor, and stuff, you'll find out who you worship. And most of the time, you'll find out that who you worship is the guy in the mirror. Most of the time, you'll find out that the person that you worship is the person in the mirror. You see, God's plan is that everything will end in worship. Not that we will all be saved. When everything ends, it's going to end in a moment of worship. Uh, In John chapter 4, it talks about that we'll be true worshipers, that we'll be worshipers in spirit and in truth. Uh, And in Psalm 86, it says, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. This is verse 8 nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. You notice that? All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. So the Bible talks about that at the end, there's going to be this great separation. Theologians, we have a name for it. We call it the great divide. It's not a song. It's something that happens is that Jesus will come back and everybody who's ever been born will be before him. And in that moment, it says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And then the great divide happens. After that time of worship, and those who are in Christ will then go into all of eternity with Jesus and be with him forever. And there will be no tears, no weeping, no gnashing of teeth, no pain, no hurt, nothing like that. And those who are not in Christ will be thrown into the lake of fire in eternal separation from God. And that's what the Bible teaches. So here's what's going to happen that day. Those who are in Christ, that is going to be the most significant moment of your life as you join with billions of people falling to your knees and saying, Jesus is Lord and looking upon your Savior's face. And then there's going to be other people who are getting ready to go be cast into the lake of fire and through gritted teeth, they are going to say, Jesus is Lord. And they're going to be made to kneel down. And I hope you're not one of those people who is going to be made to kneel down that day because you're so angry at God. But I hope that today you'll step into a relationship with him. But also, 
I don't want you to be here and have the opportunity to worship. And you go, do I have to? No, no, you get to. It's an opportunity for you to respond back to God because of what he's done and because of who he is. You don't have to, you get to. We ought to be the most worshiping people on the planet because we know what God's done for us. My wedding anniversary is in December. Do your shopping early, avoid the rush. Kidding. On my wedding anniversary, if I walk into the house and I tell my sweet wife, Lori, hey, I stopped and bought you a dozen roses. Happy anniversary. I felt like I should get you something. Not going to go well for me. I don't buy her the roses because I have to. I buy the roses because I get to. If I walk in the door and say, hey, sweetheart, you know, I love you with all my heart. I'm so grateful to God for the gift that he gave me when he gave you to me. I wish I had the words to tell you how much I love you and how much I care about you and how I would do anything in the world for you. But you know, I'm not very good at that. But I want to be. I bought you these roses because I look at them and I think about how beautiful these roses are and how much more beautiful you are than these roses. And I just wanted to tell you that I love you. That's a lot different, isn't it? So what if we had the opportunity to worship our God? Not because we have to, not because somebody said it's time to sing, because we got to, we, we, we get to, not because we have to. What if we opened up our hearts to him and cried out to him and worshiped him and didn't hold back? What if we would do that? Worship changes everything, starting with us.